Hello, and welcome to the Clinical Care Options Infectious Disease Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Meredith. This episode features foundational information about meningococcal disease and vaccinations. During this podcast, Dr. Gary Marshall, a pediatric infectious diseases specialist at the University of Louisville and Norton Children's Hospital, speaks to the burden of meningococcal disease, the importance of vaccinations, and the concept of immunization platforms to encourage catch-up meningococcal vaccines. For more information about Dr. Gary Marshall and for a link to the full online educational program, please visit the link in the show notes. Now let's get started and hear what he has to say about this topic. I'm Gary Marshall. I'm a pediatric infectious diseases specialist at the University of Louisville and Norton Children's. And I'm the chief of the Division of Pediatric Infectious Diseases. I've been involved in the field for about 35 years. Meningococcus is one of the classic pyogenic encapsulated bacteria that cause invasive disease in children as well as adults. What's interesting about meningococcus is that it it causes a very severe, very serious, life-threatening disease. It can take the form of sepsis or purpura fulminans, where there's a widespread systemic infection with shock and disseminated intravascular coagulopathy, uh, but can also cause meningitis. So it's a very serious disease, but it's also extremely rare. I don't think many providers don't know about meningococcal disease. It's one of those diseases that we live in fear of every day. When you see a patient with fever, headache, vomiting, you wonder, is this a virus or could it be meningococcal infection? But fortunately, it's rare enough that most providers have really not seen a case. And that's very different from, let's say, H-flu. So back in the day, before we had vaccination, one in 200 children got H-flu invasive infection. So the challenge here is not so much letting providers know how serious this disease is, but helping them to understand that while it is rare, it's extremely unpredictable and it can pop up anytime, anywhere. And unfortunately, early on, it's indistinguishable from viral infections. So the real opportunity here is to prevent it from happening in the first place rather than try to diagnose it quickly and treat it appropriately before it gets worse. When you look at the incidence of meningococcal disease by age, the highest incidence is actually in the young infants. But routine vaccination isn't yet recommended in that age group. The next highest incidence is in teenagers and young adults. And that's why we have a universal program to immunize all young adolescents at 11 to 12 with the first dose of the four-valent ACWI vaccine and then to get a booster dose at age 16 of the ACWI vaccine. There's also a recommendation to immunize 16-year-olds with the MEN-B vaccine, which is separate because it's a different vaccine. Still protects against meningococcal disease, but it's made in a different way. It's important to understand two things about the serogroups. One is that the ACWY incidence has, well, it was starting to trail off even before we had a universal vaccination program, but now it has trailed off even more. 
such that serogroup B is now the most common serogroup among uh, adolescents and young adults. And so that highlights the importance of the shared clinical decision-making recommendation to talk about the MenB vaccine with your patients. The other important thing to know is that the vaccines are very different. So the ACWI vaccine is made from this capsular polysaccharide of the bacterium, the four different serogroups, and that polysaccharide is conjugated to a protein, um, which is the technology that was used with H. flu and with pneumococcus. For men B, that doesn't work because humans do not mount a good immune response to the B polysaccharide. So there had to be a different approach. In this case, uh, the focus was on outer membrane proteins of the organism to which antibodies are bactericidal. So in other words, when you immunize with the outer membrane proteins, you get antibodies that can kill the organism. And so the MenB vaccines are protein-based, whereas the ACWI is polysaccharide-based. So the question is asked sometimes, well, if ACWI serogroups are so uncommon, uh, then do we still need to vaccinate? Well, the answer is yes because the disease is unpredictable. We don't know really who may be exposed and who may be getting infection. And no sooner do we stop immunizing that we may see resurgence in the disease. That's true for all vaccine-preventable diseases. So it is a routine recommendation. All adolescents should be vaccinated against ACWI, one dose at 11 to 12 and a booster dose at 16. Now, B, having just said that epidemiologically is more important in the sense that it's more prevalent, the recommendation for that vaccine is a little different. It is a recommendation for shared clinical decision-making, which just means that you ought to have the conversation with every eligible patient, and then between you and the patient, decide about getting the vaccine. So we really need to think about both of these. The other thing is important to bring up is when kids take the meningococcal ACWI vaccine, parents think the kid's protected against meningitis. But you're not really fully protected unless you've had both the ACWI and the B vaccine. We do very well getting that first dose into kids. Something like 85% of kids are getting that first dose of ACWI at 11 to 12. But somewhere around 50% are getting the second dose. And it's not because, I don't know, it's not because they don't want it. It's not because they don't think it's important. It's not because the doctors don't talk about it. I, I think it's just because the teenagers stop coming to the doctor. That's the hard part, is getting them to show up so they can get caught up on their, their vaccines. And I know you're gonna have other speakers in this program who will address some of those issues. I think it's really important to remember, too, that for the most part, we've been talking about the otherwise healthy adolescent and young adult. But there are populations who are not healthy, who, are, who absolutely should be vaccinated. So, uh, for example, people who are asplenic or people who have complement component deficiencies, they are at extremely high risk for invasive meningococcal disease. A good example is people who take complement inhibitor medications like eculizumab, those patients are at very high risk of getting invasive meningococcal disease. So they should definitely be on the high priority list. And remember, we said that with men B, 
the recommendation for otherwise healthy adolescents is shared clinical decision-making. However, for the high-risk adolescent, the one who is complement deficient or asplenic, it is not an SCDM optional type of recommendation. It's a strong recommendation. So we need to remember there are certain high-risk populations. Another example of that would be people with HIV infection. It is indicated to prioritize them for ACWI vaccine because there have been outbreaks, and they're obviously at risk because of immunocompromise. It's important to highlight this problem, right, that 16-year-olds, many of them are not getting their ACWI booster, and many of them are not getting the MenB vaccine, which per se isn't the problem. The problem is that there's not a conversation taking place to give them the information they need to decide if they would like that vaccine. I didn't mention it earlier, but if they're going to college, their risk of MenB is higher than in the general population of peers. So in particular, the college attending adolescents ought to be for sure have the discussion about men B vaccination. I mentioned that the reason for the 16-year-old problem is that kids just stop coming to the doctor and a lot of the, the girls start to go to an OBGYN and maybe they sort of fall off the routine vaccination radar screen. So I think one of the most important concepts to help deal with this problem is the concept of the immunization platform. So, you know, what's a platform? Well, it's a it's a milestone age range where there are certain critical immunization tasks and there are other tasks in terms of general pediatric care. So a good example of that is the school-aged platform at four to six years of age. So that's when we give boosters for many of the childhood vaccines. And it's also a time where we begin to talk about cognitive and social development and behavioral and emotional health issues. Another example would be the early, early adolescent platform, which is that 11 to 12 period of time, where we're going to talk about boosters for some of the childhood diseases like pertussis, but we're also going to talk about brand new immunizations for that age group, like HPV vaccine and meningococcal vaccine. And it's also a time where the other tasks include talking about puberty and talking about sexuality and substance abuse and injury prevention and mental health. Well, arguably, there is a late adolescent platform as well. That would be at that time around 16, right? So that's where we give the booster for adolescent diseases like men, ACWI. And we also make sure that we're caught up on all the other vaccines. Did you get all your HPV shots? Have you had your Tdap? And at the same time, we are preparing the child for independence and for solidifying their identity. And we're talking to them about intimacy and ownership of their personal health issues. So I think it's really useful to frame it in terms of these immunization platforms so that we don't forget it's not just the school age, it's not just the early adolescent, but this late adolescent platform is a time to deal with that ACWI booster, the MenB discussion, catch up on all the other vaccines, and all the other issues about being a teenager. So I think I can summarize by saying that invasive meningococcal disease is extremely serious, but it's extremely rare. 
That being said, it's unpredictable. And when infection occurs, the disease can progress so rapidly that there isn't enough time to treat effectively. And so the best way to prevent the morbidity and mortality of this disease is to make sure that people are immunized. The time to do that is for the early adolescents to get the vaccine for ACWI, for the late adolescents to get the booster dose and to get have the men be conversation. And then not to forget about our high risk individuals who hands down need to be vaccinated because their risk is so high. Thank you very much to Dr. Gary Marshall and thank you to our listeners for joining in. As a reminder to view the full Sweet 16 Time to Complete Meningococcal Vaccines program on the Clinical Care Options website, click on the link in the show notes. And please be sure to check back for more episodes on important infectious disease topics. Thank you.